funding for NJ Spotlight News provided by the members of the New Jersey Education Association, making public schools great for every child, and RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together. Tonight on NJ Spotlight News, former state Senate President Steve Sweeney is officially stepping into the race for New Jersey governor. Our job is to try to find a way to make New Jersey more affordable for the, for the residents here. So that's what we do. Plus, advocates take on Governor Murphy, pushing back against his lawsuit over New York's congestion pricing plan. Also, a controversial plan to merge school districts in Ocean County is being met with fierce opposition. We were just concerned with the push for the timeline, um, that there was no opportunity for the community to ask their questions, seek clarification. And committed to staying in New Jersey, Rutgers makes waves with a top recruiting class, including one of Don Bosco's own. No one like a quote unquote like top five recruit would stay would stay home usually, but like I just like chose to stay home and play in front of my family. NJ Spotlight News begins right now. From NJ PBS Studios, this is NJ Spotlight News with Brianna Venozzi. Good evening and thanks for joining us on this Friday night. I'm Raven Santana in for Brianna Venozzi. Former Senate President Steve Sweeney is officially stepping in to the race for governor, launching his campaign earlier this week. The announcement comes two years after Sweeney's two-decade-long run in Trenton was ended by Republican newcomer Ed the Trucker Durr. And Sweeney is entering the race with a leg up, as he's already locked up more endorsements this week from current and former South Jersey lawmakers. Still, given his career history as a labor leader and New Jersey's longest serving state Senate president, is it enough to sway New Jersey voters over his current opponent, Steve Fulop? Sweeney sat down with senior political correspondent David Cruz on Chatbox to discuss his political comeback. So in your announcement, you mentioned more of your progressive uh, accomplishments, but not so much uh, some of the other reforms like pension reform, uh, no millionaires tax. You're that guy. Uh, would you call yourself a moderate or a conservative? I'm a moderate. I've always been a moderate. And, David, there's no escaping the pension reform that we did. And, oh, by the way, we saved the pension from insolvency. I'm proud that we saved the pension. We made tough... You know, when you're a leader, when you lead, sometimes it means there's things that people don't like that you know you're going to lose votes on, but it's the best thing for the people of the state, and you do it. You know, so, like I said... The, the pension reform had to happen or 800,000 people would have seen a pension system go into bankruptcy. You took a lot of heat uh, for that. In fact, you know, the progressives who make up the, the kind of the core of the Democratic Party, you've never been a favorite of theirs. On occasion, obviously, you do line up, but... But, but here's the ironic thing. They said Phil Murphy's this most progressive governor ever. Yeah. Well, you know, every bill that he signed... I voted for and passed. So how can I be a conservative? When I was the prime sponsor of paid family leave, I'm the prime sponsor of the minimum wage. We pushed equal pay across the line. You know what I mean, David? We could go on and on and on about these progressive pieces of legislation that were done 
that I voted for, but Phil Murphy is a progressive and they label me as a conservative. Those same groups cheered when I lost to a very conservative guy that has a lot of hate spewing out of his mouth. I'm, I'm a moderate. I've always been a moderate and I'm not going to change. I am fiscally conservative. And again, I don't apologize for that. Our job is to f try to find a way to make New Jersey more affordable for the, for the residents here. So that's what we do. It's also a little easier, right, to, to be in the executive branch and say, here's a progressive policy or a conservative, moderate party uh, policy that I want. But it's quite another one. You've got to do the heavy lifting in the legislature, right? You've got to whip votes and all of that. Well, of, of course. But, you know, but again, I signed up for it, David. Yeah. Like when we did reproductive freedom, you know, we codified that before I left. You know, no one, no, we, we made no one happy. You know what I mean? To the progressives, we didn't go far enough. To the, to the conservatives, we went, we crossed the line. But you know, what was most important is we protected a woman's you know, reproductive freedom. So what are your priorities? Are you going to do like uh, the other Steve in this race put out policy papers and that sort of thing? Are, are you going to do that? And also, what are your priorities? Listen, you know, one of the, my top priorities is housing for the disabled. There's an 8,000-person waiting list for housing. And I can tell you, for someone like myself, my daughter's fine. She's safe right now because she has me and my wife. But when we're gone, where does she go? Is it a safe environment? You know, a lot of people with disabilities are abused verbally and physically. You know, that's why we created a registry to, to, to try to weed those people out. Listen, TTF, transportation, you know, Energy. TTF, Transportation Trust Fund. Yes, energy. Doing things right with energy, clean energy, which we, we did with the SRACs, the OREX. I, I was the sponsor of those. I was the sponsor of Reggie, Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative. But we need, a, we need a portfolio of energy so that we don't put all of our eggs in one basket. And then when things go bad, like happen in Europe and Ukraine, then all of a sudden, you know, you're in trouble. So, you know, I'm excited about hydrogen coming online. There's going to be a hydrogen hub in New Jersey. I think it's a fuel of the future. Nukes, if you remember, I got the crap kicked out of me for supporting nuclear plants staying open. And everyone was against it. Now everyone loves, they all love nukes. So, you know, there's a, I, I think most importantly is getting consensus forecasting and multi-year budgeting. I think that's the most important thing we can do in the state of New Jersey. You can watch the full interview with Steve Sweeney on Chatbox this weekend. Watch it Saturday at 6.30 p.m. and Sunday morning at 10.30 on NJPBS. In Ocean County, a plan to merge school districts is being met with opposition. Under the plan, students at the Lone Elementary School in Seaside Heights would transfer into the Toms River Regional School District. But Central Regional School District, where those Seaside Heights elementary students currently transfer from middle and high school, is not in favor. And as senior correspondent Joanna Gagas reports, millions of dollars in state aid are on the line. The taxpayer will pay less, the children will have a better education, 
and it's a win-win for both districts. Seaside Heights Mayor Tony Vaz is backing a plan that would regionalize his school district by absorbing Seaside Heights students into the Toms River Regional School District. He says it's necessary because enrollment keeps dropping in the one elementary school that makes up the Seaside Heights District. Currently, Seaside Heights middle and high schoolers attend Central Regional High School. Our children that attend our school with the declining enrollment are not doing well in our proficiency examinations. Tom's River provides an opportunity for student growth, curricular changes, and it also provides tax incentives to save both Seaside Heights and the Tom's River community a great deal of money. A feasibility study was conducted a few years ago that showed several positives for merging the districts, chief among them state aid increases. It would allow Tom's River to freeze the $26 million in funding cuts that have occurred over the last several years under the school funding formula known as S2 and could restore state aid under a law signed by Murphy called S3950 that applies to any regional school district that includes five municipalities. Adding Seaside would bring Tom's River to five. It would put Tom's River back in a in a position to have sustainable revenue growth without impacting our taxpayers, which means that programs won't need to be cut. Those dollars are directly tied to children's programs. It would save Seaside Heights taxpayer dollars as well. Within approximately the first nine years, Seaside Heights will save approximately $9 million. The proposal was submitted to the Department of Education yesterday for approval. The plan does allow any student in seventh grade or higher who wants to continue attending Central Regional High School to do so until they graduate. But the Central Regional School District voted this week to challenge the move. They declined to comment for this story, but raised concerns about the impact on their taxpayers and said in their resolution, such action would cause a detrimental impact to the students of Seaside Heights and the Central Regional School District, and that they will undertake all necessary actions to encourage the Department of Education to reject such request. The Seaside Heights Teachers Union is also raising concerns about the planned closure of the Hugh J. Boyd Elementary School that they say is the hub of the community. If this merger goes through, we would be the only municipality that doesn't have a community school within the town. They would be bused um, across the bridge to Eastover Elementary School. The other four sending districts that are currently in Tom's River Schools all have a community school. We don't have busing, so all of our students um, are, are typically walked to school. Very few of our families have cars. They say Seaside Heights students would find themselves in much larger classes than they're used to, although Tom's River says their classes would actually decrease, in some cases from 25 students to around 18 or 19, because they will hire all the Seaside Heights staff. If approved by DOE, the plan has to be voted on in a special referendum by both the Seaside Heights and Tom's River communities sometime in March of next year. I'm Joanna Gagas. NJ Spotlight News. The federal government has a new plan to deal with a seasonal dead zone on the lower stretches of the Delaware River. The EPA on Thursday announced new proposed standards for dissolved oxygen levels in a 38-mile-long section of the river between Camden and Wilmington, Delaware. The goal is to make sure there is enough oxygen in the river for fish like the endangered Atlantic surgeon to survive and thrive. The rest of the river already has good oxygen levels, but this urban stretch is hampered 
by ammonia that is discharged by sewer treatment plants. The problem is especially bad in the summer when warmer weather causes oxygen levels to dip lower. Restoring the oxygen levels in the river is required by the Federal Clean Water Act. You can read more about the new standards through John Hurdle's reporting at njspotlightnews.org. In our Spotlight on Business report, New York's controversial congestion pricing plan is getting some support from this side of the river. Dozens of environmental, transportation, and health advocacy groups from New Jersey are today filing a legal brief opposing the federal lawsuit Governor Murphy brought against the MTA's congestion pricing plan. Many Jersey drivers are not happy to be facing a $15 fee on top of current tolls to enter Manhattan below 60th Street. But the groups argue the benefits to New Jersey residents will outweigh the costs. Senior correspondent Brenda Flanagan reports. All of the focus was on, you know, what New, New Jersey drivers would pay without uh, looking at uh, the substantial benefits. John Reichman and other Jersey clean air crusaders who vigorously support the MTA's congestion pricing plan felt they needed to do more than just wave signs. So 34 advocacy organizations are wading into a legal battle arguing against Governor Murphy, who filed suit to block congestion pricing. Murphy maintains he's fighting to save New Jersey drivers from paying the higher tolls and from truck traffic trying to avoid them. At its heart, this is a matter of New Jerseyans being treated fairly, and we will fight like tooth and nail to ensure that is the case. We are not the MTA's ATM, period. And if they don't know that by now, they're going to learn it. That's an easy soundbite. It's more difficult to basically set out all the various benefits uh, that New Jersey would get. Uh, from the congestion pricing program. Reichman's amicus brief lists eight benefits New Jerseyans would gain from congestion pricing, including breathing cleaner air whenever they walk and wherever they work, better and faster commutes, faster travel, and easier parking once they get there. And for many drivers, these benefits will outweigh paying a toll. Clean Water Action's Dave Pringle calls congestion pricing a no-brainer. The worst air quality in our area are in Hudson County, Fort Lee area, uh, Manhattan, and this plan addresses that. The governor doesn't even have a plan. He's just condemning somebody, somebody else from, for coming up with a plan. Governor Murphy's lawsuit argues the Fed should have demanded a more thorough environmental impact statement before approving congestion pricing. But the amicus brief points to a $10.7 billion Jersey Turnpike extension plan near the Holland Tunnel, noting Murphy did not require it to pass the same rigorous examination. It would increase the amount of cars, it would increase the amount of pollution, it would increase the amount of greenhouse gases and it would disproportionately harm already overburdened communities. Yet for that project, the governor's position is that there does not even have to be 
a full environmental review. The MTA approved its congestion pricing plan almost unanimously. It did offer a $5 discount for passenger vehicles entering the Central Business District via the Lincoln and Holland Tunnels, but not the George Washington Bridge. It hopes to launch the system in late spring, lawsuits notwithstanding. The complaint is, you know, we, we want the lawsuit thrown out. We want congestion pricing moving forward done in the right way. But this is politics. Nobody gets everything they want. The governor's office offered no comment. I'm Brenda Flanagan, NJ Spotlight News. And turning to Wall Street, here's how the markets close today. Join me this weekend for NJ Business Beat. I talk to state business leaders about the economic outlook for New Jersey in 2024 and the legislative priorities for business owners next year. Watch it Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday morning at 9.30 on NJPBS. A new program in Camden is teaching young students to become EMTs. It's giving high schoolers an opportunity to get training and work towards a job after graduation. Officials also hope the program attracts more young people to careers in the medical fields as a shortage of EMTs and other medical professionals continues to be a concern both here in the state and nationwide. Melissa Rose Cooper reports from Camden. Rosa Vicente has dreams of earning a bachelor's degree in nursing one day. So the high school senior is glad she's getting some hands-on experience in the medical field now before beginning her college journey. We're learning how to like actually save people's lives. So it's like, you just gotta pay attention on what you're learning, try to really like consume as much and ask a lot of questions. Here, if you don't ask questions, like I feel like some people will be lost. Um, there's a lot of questions to be asked. So at the end of the day, I feel like a lot of questions, no matter what it is, just ask. And that's exactly what Vicente and her classmates are making sure they do during their training sessions for this EMT program at Virtua Health. The healthcare system teaming up with the Camden City School District to provide high school students with the opportunity to learn how to become an EMT. It's intense. Um, we have 41 chapters that we do, ideally in about 16 weeks. The program that we're running now for CCSD is going to go about 27 weeks. It is an hour-based program. We start with the basics, with basic medical, um, and learn with body systems, which is what they're learning now. They just learned respiratory and cardiac. Uh, we start going into trauma shortly after that, uh, childbirth, environmental, geriatrics, pediatrics, um, and we end it with some extrication and terrorism. The educational team that we've put together here is, is really top-notch in this area. Uh, the students are offered this education in a very, very comfortable um, and safe environment. And um, I, I would say coming out of this program, the opportunity it provides uh, for a career in healthcare at, at Virtua, um, everything from, uh, you know, staying in a career as an EMT, you know, becoming a paramedic, moving to be a physician or anything else across our health system. Key elements since Jim Newman, Vice President of Patient Logistics at Virtua Health, says the entire medical industry continues to deal with a workforce shortage. And we've seen with genera generational changes that we really needed 
opportunities to take opportunities um, anywhere we could find them to bring students uh, into into the healthcare field at a very very early age and keep them interested and keep them keep them engaged for for our continued growth. Camden City Schools State District Superintendent Katrina McCombs says the students' ability to take part in the program while they're still in high school is a true testament of their desire to succeed. I think it's important that we expose our young people to rigorous um, situations and challenging experiences while they have the supports as young adults as they're growing forward in our schools um, through our guidance counselors, through our teachers to help them navigate so that when they are on their own, they at least have had some experiences where they had to work through difficult situations. But the, our students are absolutely fantastic and phenomenal. Once students complete their program and pass the national certification test, they'll be able to work anywhere as an EMT. Vicente says she wants to take full advantage of the opportunity and plans to work as an EMT while taking her college classes. For NJ Spotlight News, I'm Melissa Rose Cooper. Rutgers men's basketball team has had a resurgence in recent years, but the best may still be to come. Just last week, the Scarlet Knights landed a commitment from Dylan Harper, a star at Don Bosco Prep in Bergen County, who is ranked as the number two player in the nation in this year's senior class. Harper will join Ace Bailey, another of the nation's top high school players, at Rutgers next year, giving Coach Steve Peichel arguably the best recruiting class in college basketball. But as Ted Goldberg reports, this is a family affair for Dylan Harper. And number two, Dylan Harper. Dylan Harper has the size and skill to be New Jersey's biggest recruit in high school basketball. He also has the bloodlines. His mother, Maria, played Division I at the University of New Orleans, and his father, Ron, played 15 years in the NBA and won five championships. For me, it was just like growing up in that type of environment, like wanting to do what they did. The kids were always in the gym. Being in the environment, they naturally just gravitated to picking up the ball and playing. We always had a basketball in his hand, and we had a basketball in Ronald's hand, too. So it was kind of thing where we kind of knew that he was going to try to play basketball. We just encouraged him, if he wanted to play basketball, to go out and play and learn how to play and to have fun. But it wasn't always fun. No one took it easy on me. It was more like getting me tougher and like, I, I got to compete. So he did grow up getting pushed around a little bit, and he finally started to earn those wins and getting some confidence, and he always reminds his brother of that. My dad and my mom used to always tell me to let him win, and I always used to tell him I'll never let Dylan win at anything because of Bill's character, and I stand by that. Dylan's brother, Ron Jr., was also a standout at Don Bosco Prep before becoming an All-American at Rutgers and signing an NBA contract with the Toronto Raptors. He takes a little credit for helping Dylan become the most sought-after recruit in the Garden State and one of the top recruits in the nation. He gets into this mode sometimes, this killer instinct, you know. I feel like I saw that since he was a kid. You know, he used to get real mad, get real intense, try to beat me. And, you know, he's a competitive kid, man. He, I remember back in the day, me and him used to argue every time we played basketball. And it's just because me and him are just so naturally competitive with each other. You know, we're still like that to this day. Competition at home was definitely fierce. Um, there's not a win that you got that you didn't earn. Um, when I was coaching Dylan at a younger age, I was definitely on the fiery side. Um, but I've, I've calmed down a bit. 
Maria still coaches Dylan as an assistant for Don Bosco, and she's helped her son earn offers from schools like Duke and Kansas. Last week, Dylan announced that he would turn down those Blue Bloods in favor of Scarlett. Even he admits Rutgers was an unusual choice. No one like a quote-unquote like top five recruit would stay, would stay home usually, but like I just like chose to stay home and play in front of my family. Choosing a different path besides like the Blue Blood stuff like that and just making my own way. So why Rutgers? Dylan says it was because of his relationship with head coach Steve Peichel and how he's transformed the program since taking over seven years ago. He didn't have the best recruits, like the highest recruits out, but like he was getting to the tournament or at least on the bubble every year. Each of the Harpers say they didn't push Dylan to Rutgers, but they're thrilled with his choice. It's really an amazing place with great people and a great staff, and that's what it's really about. For me, the basketball takes care of itself. It's about the people I trust with my children. The family atmosphere, and I've known Coach Pike, Coach B. Knight, Coach Thompson for the longest, so just knowing that like, they're gonna do whatever they, they gotta do to help me get to the next level ultimately. Very excited that uh, he stayed close to home. Anybody uh, get a chance to, to see him play. Uh, he has a lot of fans in the state of New Jersey. I'm excited, but I try to make him let, let him make his own decision. I think he made the right one. Dylan is part of the best recruiting class Rutgers has put together. Many of that thanks goes to his family, who won't have to drive far to support him next year. In Ramsey, I'm Ted Goldberg, NJ Spotlight News. That's going to do it for us tonight. This weekend, be sure to tune into Reporters Roundtable. From elections to indictments, who won the year in New Jersey politics? Comedian and host of the popular podcast, NJ is the World. Chris Gethard makes his case that Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 10. I'm Raven Santana for all of us at NJ Spotlight News. Thanks for being with us. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you back here on Monday. NJM Insurance Group, serving the insurance needs of residents and businesses for more than 100 years, and by the PSCG Foundation. Our future relies on more than clean energy. Our future relies on empowered communities, the health and safety of our families and neighbors, of our schools and streets. The PSEG Foundation is committed to sustainability, equity, and economic empowerment. Investing in parks, helping towns go green, supporting civic centers, scholarships, and workforce development that strengthen our community. NJM Insurance Group has been part of New Jersey for over a century. We support our communities through NJM's Corporate Giving Program, supporting arts and culture-related and nonprofit organizations that serve to improve the lives of children, rebuild communities, and help to create a new generation of safe drivers. We're proud to be part of New Jersey. NJM, we've got New Jersey covered.